0: I loved this point by Steve Pavlina. Assume 100% responsibility for your own level of clarity. Yeah. 100.
1: Not 99%. No, nope.
0: not 50 not 98.
1: 50. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, I mean it, I learned from a friend similar to this a while back was essentially like I was upset with somebody, let's just say I don't know how to how to frame the word upset, but just I wasn't happy with the outcome. And I was sharing, you know, my concerns and frustrations with a coworker and they're like, Well, did you set expectation and clarity that were you clear about these things? If the answer is no, then you can't be upset. It's your fault. So back to the hundred percent. Like it was my it was hundred percent my fault because yeah. I didn't take the role and responsibility to say, here's clear expectations, and so you gotta own the hundred percent. You gotta own it bandwidth for changelog is provided by fastly learn more at fastly.com we move fast and fix things here at changelog because of Rollbar. check them out at rollbar.com and we're hosted on linode cloud servers head to linode.com slash changelog
0: this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute a doctor patient
1: relationship if you have specific questions or concerns we encourage you to consult a health professional in your local area From ChangeLog Media, this is Brain Science, a podcast for the curious. We're exploring the inner workings of the human brain to understand behavior change, habit formation, mental health, and what it means to be human. It's brain science applied—not just how does the brain work, but how do we apply what we know about the brain to transform our lives? I'm Adam Stakoviak,
0: and I'm Dr. Marielle Reese.
1: the way we got to this topic was during retrospectives we do, Mariel. We talk about the show, what we've been doing, and somehow life, right, always mixes in. And we talk about, you know, our troubles, our woes, and things that happen, and we both had issues that could have been a little bit maybe better or avoided if we had clarity and expectations set on both sides. And so it made sense to sort of, rewind and actually talk about that? Because clarity brings clear expectations and everyone can kind of operate maybe more efficiently. How would you frame that?
0: Yeah, well, I think that, you know, just with so much unrest and sort of uncertainty as the mainstay that more than ever, I think it's helpful if we can have some clarity. You know, I sort of talk with patients about sort of metaphorically that life can feel much more like the lotto balls like popping up like, oh, gosh, that pop up and that pop up as things were in this sort of constant of change.
1: Can you give a visual to that, though? Because I think is everybody familiar with lotto balls and how that drawings work is like that's sort of analog and old. Is that still happening these days?
0: Well, I just see it on the commercials sometimes or sort of like winners, right? So, you know, lotto balls are like they're sort of all swirling with air in this, you know, small containers. So there's pressure. And then all of a sudden they have to like jockey over which one gets to go into the slot that then sets the order sequence of the numbers that for the winning ticket.
1: And it's random.
0: It's random, right? But it's all a fight around like, which one are we going to go with as based on the air and the pressure within that small little space? And, you know, I think we're all in smaller spaces, than we were, you know, some months ago. Mm-hmm. And really just there's uncertainty uh, in so many ways about what's next and possibly where you're going. Like lots of people are facing unexpected challenges or hiccups or sort of like, whoa, I I didn't plan to go this direction this year. And so to have a conversation around, you know what, things can still be uncertain. But that doesn't mean that you can't have some clarity amidst all the other unrest and uncertainty. Right. It's really how we end up coping more functionally, right? Right. Like, I just think, help people think in pictures more. And so, like, an analogy would be, like, when I go out to my car, I don't ask anybody else where they're going before I decide where I'm going to drive. Like, I already have a clear idea of, I'm getting in my car to go to place A, B, C, or D. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's sort of, it's an internal thing of where am I headed as opposed to maybe we talk about uncertainty as external to internal, right? Yeah.
1: I think in team terms too, where there's a common goal, maybe there's a result, an anticipated result, and it's about, well, well, I kind of know where we're going and you kind of know where we're going. And we have maybe different life perspectives, obviously, and maybe some different standards and discipline. We operate as different people because that's how things work. And it's how do we get to this end result that, you know, one party or another has more responsibility over or, you know, more investment, let's say, where you're buying something, that you've got to get to an anticipated result. And it's like, how do we both – as a team, collaboratively, share information and support with love and respect along the way and get to this result. It requires communication, right? Yep. And then, more so on top of that, clear communication. Sure. That's the challenge.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's been interesting switching sort of so much of how we interfaced with other people during this time because communication has moved to so much more like text-based, right? As opposed to necessarily voice-based. So I lose a lot of relevant data when I'm just interacting with people via email or text or without sort of the amazing vocal intonations that I can add to any words I use. And then, you know, I've seen that with people wearing masks, we also lose visual cues you know, I think of how many times I want to sort of tell people, like, I'm I'm smiling behind my mask. You don't know it.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes.
0: <laughs> right? <clears throat> so I lose the visual data in interacting with people so that I might default to my own presumptions, projections, or sort of, you know, what I would imagine yeah. someone would respond to me.
1: Yeah. I, I learned it from you that – uh More in particular whenever in regards to empathy and in this case how we've talked before, how we started to use Zoom video for at least the video portion of the recording process of these podcasts. So while you, listener, get an audio artifact from it, a produced version of it, and you're generally just listening, you're not watching something. Marielle and I, in the moment, and other producers and hosts and whatnot on our network, they're usually – I say usually in case they're like maybe just like got their eyes closed, they're always using video to have that data point. So my point is is that this clarity we're sort of key on is derived from data. And a data point, you'd mentioned text, and then you'd also mentioned masks. And so both of those are obstructing a data point, which we as humans in communication forms rely upon that for lack of assumption and what we're really kind of driving towards here which is clarity right if i'm reading your text and i'm assuming what you said in black and white and it's just or if you've got different color text because you got a theme or whatever but whatever you get the point (laughs) like in this text form i'm reading between the lines is a common phrase heard and then juxtaposition that against you know face-to-face communication now with masks You can't see my smile. You can't see my expressions. You can barely see my eyes maybe, but all you get is limited data and that's lack of clarity.
0: Yeah. And so it's prone to sort of, you know, wreak more havoc when you don't have the clarity. And so it's just like, what direction am I going? Are you on my team or are you on the other team? Like, I can't sort of place you. You know, one of the things I think about even relationally, When you're in relationship with someone, you sort of build more of a 3D model of who they are and sort of what they like, you know, how they say things, mannerisms, like more robust version. And without that, you end up with more of like, you know, flat Stanley, this like one dimensional sort of text version that doesn't allow you to sort of give grace, be compassionate, be flexible interpersonally and so clarity is going how can I look at an interface with other people and go are we on the same page where are you going are we are we trying to get to the same place or were you going somewhere else while we have sort of respect around all of the changes and adaptations we're all trying to make
1: yeah you just made me think about the potential anxieties that can come from lack of clarity
0: oh sure
1: Right. Like because if you don't have clarity, you're like you're just sitting there sort of like maybe they call it stewing or maybe mulling, for example, over what could really be happening. And so then what happens? You begin to assume (laughs) you start to fabricate this reality that may not really be based on reality because you had limited data and you constructed this thing and now you're anxious and now you're anxious about being anxious because you're like. I don't have any clarity. I'm assuming these things. And the next thing you know, you kind of feel a little crazy. Sure. I mean, you kind of feel like, I mean, I don't know how, how best to use that word in maybe clinical terms, but to me, it's like, yeah, you feel like I'm not really sure what I'm thinking. Is this real? Is it, is it fake? You know, what's real here? And you start to question a lot more when clarity is missing.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's it's really that you can't sort of close that file tab, so to speak. Like I can't put that in a file and close that like I know where that information came from so that I can move on. And so Mm -hmm. that's really why I think this conversation is valuable. It's like, look, we still got to work. We got to figure out (laughs) life and, you know, do things while there is so much other uncertainty and perpetual recalibration.
1: Mhm. I'm glad you said "while" there because that's one of your <laughs> one of the things you key on a lot. It's like, you know, while something may not be right, we have to do these things while these things still exist. And so it's it's a way to get through things. I, I like your use of "while" there.
0: Yeah, and and really like learning how to, you know, manage yourself as best you can. There's, you know, sort of things that you learn along the way and ideally That's the point of going, look, we all get to places like you said that going, Ah, shoot, if only I would have had a little more clarity earlier on, Mm -hmm. I maybe could have made a different step and then it would have cultivated a different outcome, you know, and that's why this is so valuable because we'd prefer to have the insight in advance of the outcome as opposed to like, ah, shoot. I got those ill consequences I didn't want. And now I'm hanging out in a space I don't want to hang out in, which feels really upsetting or uncomfortable and just adds additional emotional weight to what I've already got.
1: Yeah. What's somewhat interesting, and maybe you can speak to this, where it's personality types where, and maybe it's a learned thing. So it's a skill. Obviously, communication is a skill. But there's some people who are more or less prone to communicate well. And I don't know how best to frame that except for maybe just like overly communicate or underly communicate where people just don't have the – like for me, for example, I'd prefer you to be overly communicative about what's going to happen so that you're helping me frame the clarity and expectation of whatever's happening in a team framework, so to speak. But someone may not always be equipped to lead with that. You almost have to pull it out of them. Sure. Constantly.
0: Yeah. You know, in saying that, that highlights sort of where we're headed in terms of how do we get better clarity. And it really starts with awareness, right? Like awareness of myself so that I can interface. And if I move backwards, my ability to name things and articulate what's going on and then use that data to advocate for myself is how I can get you know, closer in approximation to where I want to go. Because if I don't have self-awareness, like, you know, who am I? What do I care about? Where am I trying to go? When am I trying to get there? And are there, what route might I choose? Like, I'm apt to just sort of, you know, what is it? I think of just float away, drift. There we go. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I will just drift and like, oh, the wind blew me to the right. And then how'd you get to this island? I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I I just was standing by the water and then I was on an island. <laughs> There's no right. understanding of like, well, no, that time I was hanging out with my friends and like I got on this raft and we weren't tethered and I floated. So that you want to start by reflecting on what's important to you. Where are you trying to go? like? You know, I think we've said in earlier episodes, people talk about the time right now is like you can go through it or you can grow through it. And with much in life, you know, we can choose to just sort of walk through our circumstances or we can look at, you know, really how we can grow. I think there's Mm -hmm. been a lot of negative emotion for a lot of people lately. And I've really worked to reframe things around pressure, and how pressure really creates amazing things. But when we push back against ill pressure, we also then forfeit the byproduct that comes from that pressure.
1: Yeah. Well, having awareness of yourself and then knowing what you want is sort of a, a twofer, right? <laughs> right. You, you have to begin <laughs> with awareness. So, one, be aware that you. it begins with awareness. And then the the other part, which is knowing what you want, is sort of the... The work, I suppose, involved. One is knowledge. Be aware. Two mm-hmm. is work. Know what you want, which yeah. takes, I suppose, your own inner clarity, so to speak, like know what you want, understand right. your own desires. And I often think that these things require sort of a a vision to the future, right? I have a, a user experience design background where in a past life, further back in my career, I used to design interfaces, still do but just less so as a kind of primary thing I do. But I'm always thinking about user experience, which generally is like a flow. They begin here, they go here, they go there, they need this information, they see clarity, they push a button, boom, result happens, whatever. Whatever that user flow might be. And it's about kind of understanding this expectation of the future, sort of future thinking, you know, to some degree, trying to predict the future based upon data, like we've we've been talking about. Sure, so knowing what you want is an interesting component of this awareness.
0: For sure, for sure. Because you're going, you know, sort of if this, then that. If this yeah. is who I am, you know, then this is going to be fit, you know, fit or not fit. And I can think about like big decisions, like career decisions I made when I was like, that does not fit at all where I'm going. And then really shallow examples, like, you know, even in terms of the attire I choose to wear. Yeah. you know, for example, there's so many you know opportunities now for other people to pick my clothes for me. And despite you know trying a few times, especially you know when I don't have access to stores in the same way, like I'm like, nope because I know what I like to wear and I like to pick. And so those sorts of platforms aren't a good fit for me because they don't represent how I see myself or how I want to put myself out to the world.
1: Hmm. Yes. That's an interesting one where you, somebody else is choosing your clothes for you because that's a whole different subject to some degree, <laughs> but like that's, that takes us a, a science, maybe an AI or an art that can predict, you know, based upon some attributes, what you like. And that's kind of what we're trying to do when we assume those are sort of prediction models, based sure. on assumption, right? We're assuming certain things. And then, you know, what happens when you assume is not always a good thing. Like, I think that uh you know if you don't have clarity in any situation you're operating from this position of assumption which generally has negative results like assumption is not clarity clarity is clarity and you can operate on firm footing take that next firm step and as we said before with anxiety you kind of pull back that those anxious points because you have clarity you're not operating from the position of assumption
0: yeah For sure. I loved this quote by Jeremy Bryan in an article. He said, he said, the aim of knowing yourself is to connect with the future and understand your contribution to it. Right. So that both end of like, know yourself is like, I have this sort of understanding of who I am, both past, present and future and recognizing, you know, how I fit in to the larger whole.
1: Hmm. that is interesting because we were talking about that with like this kind of predicting the future which is a variation of like trying to know it predicting right. knowing you're trying to look to the future for you know this awareness of where you want to go so it does require some future thinking and i love that that idea of like how can you and how are you going to contribute to that future because It goes back to actions. You're going to have to take some sort of action to get there if you're unable to and you haven't practiced that skill or cultivated that skill of like future thinking. That Mm -hmm. doesn't mean like sit there and mall all day long about what the future might hold, but think about it deliberately and intentionally so that you can know what your contribution might be or your actions might be in order to get you there.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Just like with this, when I remember as an adolescent, whenever I would ask my parents if I could do something, I had to answer all those questions of like, who are you going to be with? What are you doing? Where are you going to be? How long are you going to be there? Like I had to be able to sort of provide all of those answers in order for them to give me an answer. Like, yes, you can go. No, you cannot. And, you know, then they could also provide feedback to be like, you know, that isn't wise or let's have a conversation around X, Y, or Z relative to the data you provided. Yeah. And I think that's super helpful in sort of going to, like, where are you headed? Like, what are you trying to build and who are you building it beside?
1: One counterpart to this and a show prior to this on conflict, when you don't have clarity, conflict tends to ensue. Yeah. Right. Like often conflict is like its little counterpart is assumptions and lack of clarity.
0: Sure. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you can have assumptions and go like, this is just the way that I expect people to relate or what I expect them to do. And then I have to be like, oh, wait, like now you're not doing it. Now we have a problem because I thought and you didn't, which is interesting because I loved this. Point by Steve Pavlina, assume a hundred percent responsibility for your own level of clarity. Yeah. A hundred.
1: <laughs> not 99%. No, nope,
0: Not 50 Not 98. 50. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, it, I learned from a friend similar to this a while back was essentially like I was upset with somebody. Let's just say, I don't know how to, how to frame the word upset, but just I wasn't happy with the outcome. And I was sharing you know, my concerns and frustrations with a coworker. And they're like, well, did you set expectation and clarity that were you clear about these things? If the answer is no, then you can't be upset. It's your fault. So back to the hundred percent, like it was my, it was a hundred percent my fault because yeah. I didn't take the role and responsibility to say, here's clear expectations. And so you got to own the hundred percent. You got to own it.
0: Yeah. And while I can imagine that, might you know initially be a little jolting or frustrating it was
1: it was. <laughs> it was a brand new concept for me to learn right in leadership it was a brand new concept and so when I heard that for the first time I was like I was like exactly like it was hard to take it wasn't it didn't sit well at first and I was like but you're right yeah But you're right
0: right and and I think about this sort of like you know, differentiating sort of people can, can be dishonest or lie in terms of omission or commission, right? If I, you know, literally tell you I'm somewhere I'm not, then that's a lie of commission. But if I just leave it out, it's like I just omitted it. And that happens so much, so much in relationships with other people. And, you know, I deal with this a lot in trying to help individuals sort of do things differently. And go, you know, what, because people will say or think like, well, you know, then I sort of lose power or credibility or some way I lose if I tell the person what Mm -hmm. I actually want from them. And I'm like, look, this is, you know, as adults, like it's our job to use our words. Like if somebody tells me an adult says, "Marielle, leave me alone, leave me alone. I'm not going to code switch that and be like, they're just playing hard to get like no it means it means leave me alone right yes so yes. our words have significant power and if you can imagine our words are really our steering wheel to navigate ourselves in our lives
1: yeah and according to steve something he says too is that it it uh, clarity isn't something that arrives from outside of you so back to the ownership and responsibility yep steve says Clarity isn't a matter of luck either. Clarity is what you create for yourself. Clarity is a decision.
0: Yes. And I love this because he talked about it even further in a post he did, which we'll share. And he says the word decide comes from the Latin decidere, which means to cut off from, right? So I think we sort of end up in ambivalence like, oh, I don't, I want to hedge my bets. So I mm-hmm. sort of keep all avenues open. But he's like, to make a decision, you got to cut away other potential directions. If you are sort of remaining open to these different directions simultaneously, like welcome to the land of confusion and fuzz, Mm -hmm. fuzziness, right? But I think it's hard because we might perceive that to be like, well, then I might miss out. If I say like, this is the lane I'm going, then I'm looking at other people in other lanes like, well, shoot, maybe I'd like to be in that lane too.
1: FOMO. (laughs) Yeah. It's yeah, so I, I think it's funny how, I think it's wild how all these mix together. Like we're talking about clarity and communication, but then it leads to, you know, decision making, which leads to, you know, which actually comes from quality thinking, which, you know, leads you essentially to focus, right? Yep. So in this, the sidere, you, you got the Latin annunciation down, um, <laughs> you know, this word decide and the decision to cut off from means that you're choosing a position of focus.
0: Yeah, I think it's super helpful. I like to think about this like pruning in terms of like rose bushes, right? Like, I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to cut them back. I don't want to cut them down because I like them. And it's like, yes, but you want to optimize and, and cut back so that you the best ones are the ones that grow. And this is why we need that space and opportunity for self-reflection to go, are is this my best foot forward? Is this like the most authentic, sort of congruent like it fits for me? I think so much, you know, I'm, I guess I'm sort of like a clothing, you know dress connoisseur today of like, <laughs> you know, are things tailor made? Are they one size fits all or they're kind of your size? Like I am so prone to pick things that like not just kind of fit or they're okay. And I love this because my husband has actually helped me over the years even, you know, get hone this skill so that he's like, you don't love it. No, it's not the best. Whereas I might sort of have settled in the past. It's like, I don't have to. I know what I like and what I want to wear. And if I'm thinking of things like what in my life feels more tailored to my strengths, my interests, my like where I, I want to spend my time and that like resonates with me as opposed to like, well, everybody's doing it and it's one size fits all. And I went this degree route or I'm doing this thing and I should love what I'm w- working on or doing. And yet I don't. And it's yeah. a drudgery.
1: <laughs> Somewhat of an aside, Derek Sivers is well known for quoting this or coining or this phrase. And I'm going to paraphrase it because. We may have parents with children listening or we want this to be a younger demographic friendly. Someone I'm going to paraphrase it by saying heck. He says it's either when making a decision, it's either heck yes or no. So <laughs> yeah. to your dresses you know, right? and this enthusiasm for choice, you know, it's got to be like you're really in it or you're not. Yeah. That doesn't apply everywhere. So there's some caveats to that which are deeper sure. and go into that. So I would encourage you to. Google that. We'll try to link this up in the show notes, but Google that and dig a little deeper, which we haven't done for this show. But the point is, is like you you can't apply that everywhere, but it does have a general application to a lot of things where it's a very enthusiastic yes, or it's just straight up no.
0: Yeah. You know, so with this, using visualization as a tool can really help us create and, and sort of get better clarity in our lives. I remember when I was making a significant professional decision around where I was going to do an internship or sort of residency, and I was deliberate around, you know, picturing it. And so I I looked at the quantitative aspect of the position, sort of like, what is it going to look like? What will my responsibilities be? What level of commitment? And those kinds of things. But then I I literally tried it on in my mind. Like, I whenever I pulled up to a training site, I was like, what's it going to feel like getting out of my car and walking into this position? And like, what is the building like? Does it resonate with me? Is it where I want to go? Like, how does it facilitate other future endeavors that I really want for my professional future? And I thought that was a really valuable tool because there were ones that were very much in line with what you just said of mm-hmm. like... Heck yes or no. Like, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> yeah.
1: I like how that keys off of a future show we might do, which we're brainstorming at least around dreams and goals. Yeah. Which is what that's like. And I like your your aspect of trying it on in your mind. Right. So often do we have to make a decision or go a route or decide that hey, we got to do that at some point, cut something off and go a direction, right? So often do we just roll with it without yeah. really – examining the data. Some of that comes from this idea of seeking wisdom from others. So kind of finding clarity through wisdom. But some of that is just simply, I've got to go around and I just sort of just go.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people actually, instead of trying to do things or make choices that resonate or fit for them, they actually are more prone to sort of contort or conform themselves, amputate aspects of themselves to make themselves fit whatever professional context or you know goal saying like right we've talked about it like i should yeah. right on myself <laughs> because again that's an outside in like i don't want to live a life that's based on external constructs that says this is because you did a you have to fit into b and even though b feels very suffocating you should be grateful that you have b
1: mm. <laughs> no no,
0: no, because we can bank on change like that's a fundamental. And so how can I adapt within, you know, the world to go, where do I want to go? And like, you know, again, I've looked at professional decisions that have changed and taken me a different way, like becoming a mom really changed me and going, you know what, like, I thought I wanted that, but it that thing doesn't fit in the way that I had envisioned it some years ago. Yeah. So I recalculated.
1: Well, I, I think there's a lot of wisdom to try it on. You know, try it on for a day or whatever the aspect might be, because in a sales situation or when you're buying something, the person who's the consultant might say, "Is this a fit?" And so you mentioned from a position of like physical fitting dresses. So mm-hmm. we're kind of rewinding a little bit, but I think metaphorically, this is an amazing. to consider like try it on your mind because as you'd mentioned you might mentally amputate parts of you to make a decision fit and i think that's such a cool metaphor to sort of like hone in on because it really is about fit you get asked is this a decision that fits you well it's because you have a frame of reference this again back to beginning for clarity self awareness yeah some sort of aspect of where you're trying to go what you're trying to do who are you trying to be? And it, it all comes down to, does it fit me? We'll try it on your mind first.
0: Yeah, because you know yourself and what you like and sort of what you're willing to even sort of barter if you're going, well, like in the case of like two competing things, like, well, I like A and I like B, and I'm not sure I'm ready to sort of fully cut one off. And so going, okay, like you can picture if I stay with both of these, you know, what is that going to look like? I, I do prediction models to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. Trying it on. Like, if I leave the status quo, how long would I want to stay in both camps? Or sort of might I consider vesting more on one side for a period of time so that I can collect more information to make a better decision than in the future?
1: This is the, you know, something else Steve had said, too, was explore an experiment, which definitely keys off of our, our idea of, and I think it's more your idea, and I adopted it completely because I love the idea, which is be your own scientist. And I've done that in my own life and I've seen great results by it. So, you know, it requires this idea of exploration, this idea of experimentation. And prediction models are kind of like that try it on, you know, try it on and see if it fits is sort of like explore and experiment. Does it work? Mm-hmm. Mentally picture the future, kind of frame it out for you, you know. And I, I think now, even too, like I'm a dad. And there's choices I want to make or choices that I've desired to make that were just simply dreams, not so much real goals, because I got a family and the things I want to do in my life are optimizing for all about family. Right. And these two boys and my daughter and, you know, what life is like to enjoy that life with them for the next how many ever years we've we've talked about this idea of 18 summers. Yeah. So everything for me, my clarity comes from that as root. Mm -hmm. Does my family unit, you know, suffer as a result of or thrive as a result of this choice, decision, clarity, whatever it might be. And so everything kind of keys around that.
0: Yeah. And so I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that as we're having the conversation for people to put on different lenses as they're sort of going, how does this apply to me and where I'm trying to go? Like, Is it just in a professional sense, like developing clarity or is it in a relational sense, like you know, what is my role? What is most important to me as a parent, right? Or sort of with a significant other or even with my family or, you know, personally going, you know, what am I trying to, maybe it's my health, right? I want to get better clarity around where I'm going and really map out sort of how I might begin to cultivate those things. I mean, shoot, I think it's in the compound effect, This book, and it talks about like little changes repeated over time and how they snowball right into so much more through repetition. Mm -hmm. So, going, I want to be considerate of where I'm trying to get to, and what are the little things I keep doing, you know, that can take me closer to or further from where I want to be.
1: Yeah. Brian Tracy is somebody I listen to too, as well. He's famous for writing the book, Eat That Frog. Love which it. Some people like <laughs> or love in your case. <laughs> and some people totally hate. They're like, no, that's not right. Like I tried Eat That Frog for many years or for, whatever, for a sustained amount of time and it didn't work for me. And that's just the case, right? It's not gonna work for everybody. But very much like, how do you get to your goals? Well, you right. establish a goal and every day you take one small step towards that goal.
0: Right. And so with this, I think, you know, it's important that clarity isn't, might really just be on the desired goal or outcome, but the how, like the how can change because movement is key and just going, I just want to practice moving. Like any progress is better than no progress. So I might go on a little side route, but maybe that's valuable.
1: So this really depends upon this action of seeking, Mm -hmm. right? So we got curious people out that listen to the show. Tune in for brain science, all these details of neuroscience and how we can be better humans, or as we say, human better. But mm-hmm. this particularly requires some sort of a desire. And the desire is the is the desire to seek clarity. And that takes a couple of different things. It's it's uh, you know, you got the option option to use wisdom, so to speak, you know, people you know, your inner tribe, different people like that. You mentioned people who experience long-term success begin by seeking. So we've got to, you gotta want it. What is it Mm -hmm. you said recently? You got to, I was around the cheerleader thing. You said, I believe. (laughs) You got to will it to want it. (laughs) You got to will it to want it. That's the truth though, right? I mean, like it's, it's kind of cliche, but it's totally the truth. Like you've got to seek this out. This is Mm -hmm. not something that's going to come to you. You've got to be deliberate and intentional about getting to clarity.
0: Yeah. And so with that, be your own scientist of going, notice when there's obstacle or opposition like internally where you might be like, gosh, I just keep procrastinating and you want to just accept it at face value. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like look deeper because there's likely something else that your brain or your body is signaling to you that's prompting the procrastination. And maybe it is like, I don't think I want to go there. Like that goal, like fit before, but like things have changed mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't want to do that.
1: Yeah. All too often though, especially in scenarios where someone else is involved and we've got to be a, a good teammate. We feel like we have to be polite. Sure. To get to clarity. And so to all too often when you're assertive in like, here's my position, here's my standard, here's my desires, here's my expectations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: sometimes delivering that can feel assertive in quotes or two other words that might fit depending mm-hmm. upon, But <laughs> you know, sometimes we feel like we got to be polite. We can't kind of get there because it's like, oh, you know, I might upset them. I might anger them or we might get into an argument or a fight or conflict might ensue as a, as a result of that. And I think that you can be assertive and you can be, you know, clear about who you are and what you want to do in these realms we're talking about. But you can deliver that with kindness, love, respect, empathy. You know, it doesn't have to be just harsh. But I think being clear about what you want can sometimes be, the obstacle can often be this idea of like being polite.
0: Sure. And and I can really, I mean, not to get into any sort of significant gender conversation, but just as a, a woman, you know, like sort of trained up, like, you're respectful and mind your P's and Q's and like don't rock the boat sort of thing of going, you know, I don't want to come across as a jerk or, you know, really mis- misunderstood for just going, hey, this is where I'm trying to go and I don't understand why you're doing X, Y, or Z or what sort of coming in between and creating an obstacle for you or the us as a team getting to that place we said we wanted to go.
1: Yeah. I think time boxing, some of those things like the, you know, if you're being assertive and sharing those things, being able to describe like, you know, this is what I want. This is when I want it. Or, you know, those are just points of clarity. They're not so much like demands or, you know, can be misunderstood as you're as you're alluding to. It's just like Uh you have to put those questions out there and those those sort of determinations, because if not, there's assumption.
0: Yeah. Totally. In in my experience, you know, it's really helpful, you know, even after the fact, if I'm like, oh, wait, I realized I was filling it in sort of with my own expectations as based on past experiences. And that doesn't fit the context of this new relationship. So like, hey, I need to step up and say something because here's where I thought you were and you aren't there mm-hmm. <laughs> for whatever reason. So... Help me understand where you are so that we can collaborate better and work more effectively. Yeah. I love this other point that I think is helpful. So when my husband and I were dating earlier on, I used to always sort of say just because things felt like so long, I was like, we're never going to fill in the blank. Like, never. Like, you know, that sort of underlying pessimist in me was like, I'm not sure it's going to happen. So this is never going to happen. This other desire that I have that we have, it's never going to happen. And so our family actually plays the never game. And this is relative to always challenge your never. So we play this game to go, what are we never going to get? Like, my husband loves boats. And like being on the water. And so my son one day started off with like, we're never going to have a Nautique. (laughs) And it was like, these are things that we enjoy as a family and something he wants, you know. But the nevers really do reflect the things we want most. Mm -hmm. So to be able to have conversations, it really puts it out there and think about it to go, What do I think I could never do? I mean, I even remember back in starting graduate school and looking at the uh, students farther ahead. Now, I was already in the program. However, so I was in. All I had to do was all the like step, step, step to get there. But seeing them, it seemed so far from where I was Mm. that it it felt, quote unquote, felt as if I was never going to get there. But all that did was show me more of how bad I wanted it. Mm. We can play this sort of game of self-protection against disappointment or failure, but that's when we should listen most.
1: Yeah. Well, that's interesting because sometimes your, your nevers can establish a blueprint for getting to a point too. Yeah. Right. Because like the, the Nautique, for example. Well, yeah. the never might be true if, for example, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't take these certain steps, that will be true. Sure. But if you want it to be, well, I guess if you want the never to not be true, I suppose, well, right. then here's what's required to get there, right? Or it might motivate you to be be self-aware, establish some clarity of what, what you want to do and give you a blueprint, a framework, a map, so to speak, you know, waypoints to get to in order to make you a, a Nautique owner.
0: <laughs> exactly. And so with this, like I've sort of alluded to it in some of the other points, but You know, the value of conversation with other people we care about and or asking for help. Like, even as a clinician, one of the things we do best, you know, is recognizing the value of consultation. Like, when I don't know, like, who am I going to talk to? Who can help me look at this from a different lens and sort of collaborate with me to help facilitate more clarity so I know what to do or how I can get where I want to go? That is what has been really helpful even within you know family relationships and you know, where are we trying to to go? What do we care about as a nuclear family? and how can we then cultivate it? Because it does mean amputating other things like going, you know what? like, no, we're not gonna buy any sodas when we eat out because there's our nautique money.
1: <laughs> mm. right
0: over time. or no, I'm gonna say no to these other endeavors or things I might like to do. Because it doesn't move me towards cultivating the things that really fit for me that help me, you know, do my life to the best way that I can. I think I've referenced this in past episodes, but it was Daniel Pink who wrote this book, Drive, and talking about sort of what drives us or motivates us in our lives. And with that, he notes on the importance of doing something meaningful and being a part of something bigger, than just ourselves. And I think this highlights the point of when we're looking at developing clarity, considering your contribution to the world. Like, look, we are all an N of one. There is no other like us. And so asking yourself about how you might be serving others, like, how are you engaging with others in meaningful and fulfilling service to other people? Because that's really sort of where we ignite right like when I'm aligned with sort of my design and how I fit within the world it's like that's the best version of myself and so even asking yourself Brendan Burchard in his book on high performance habits asks this question he says you know asking yourself what do those I serve want now as opposed to simply going what do I want now I mean Part of how this podcast even developed was I love educating people, and I just wished that more people had access to information and that when people don't know, they can't do anything differently. So to help people understand more of their mind and the way in which their brains and their bodies work and interact so that they're not as confused, right? Like, ironically, to provide more clarity – And help people really show up in the world in the way in which only they or only the way in which you specifically were designed to show up. I think that is the most meaningful thing we can do and why clarity is so important is because it really helps put you in the best way amidst the world. Like, you show up doing you, creating your own unique influence. And we all have a particular shape and preference and and part to whole. And so I want people to be reflective around that. Like take some time. I think that you know, with the changes that have come recently, that there's more downtime or sort of opportunity for slowing and stilling. And so throughout this week, I'd encourage you to sort of get away and in terms of, maybe outside your house or maybe in another room that you're not typically in and think through things in terms of a more panoramic view that, you know, maybe you've had some hardships and you're not working in the position or career you were. So asking like, is this where I wanna stay or is this a time that I might look for other opportunities or practice trying on a different field I had no idea that would resonate with me? But I'm feeling this stirring within me. And so with the space and reflection, like we've said before, writing things down is always helpful because not just the name it to tame it, but I can look for sort of repetitions in the things that I write because this is being your own scientist at heart. You are looking at and examining where you're at, where you want to go, and how you might get there. And that is more of the fun that we can all enjoy.
1: That's it for this episode of Brain Science. Thank you so much for tuning in. We want to hear from you. You can drop a comment on this episode. Head to changelog.com slash brainscience 29. We'd love to hear from you. Comments are always open. And more importantly, we want you to join the community. We have a Slack community. Lots of people are in there and you are welcome you can go to changelog.com slash community to learn more and register. It's totally free. Hope to see you in Slack. And, of course, thank you to our partners who get it fastly, Linode, and Rollbar. They have our back, and we appreciate that. Also, thanks to Breakmaster Cylinder for making all of our beats. And last but not least, one of the best ways you can support this show is directly supporting us via Plus Plus. Learn more at changelog.com slash plus plus. We'd love to have you as a member. That's it for this week.